0: Hi friend, it's 2020, and let's be real. If you're anything like me, this year is not going the way you planned. It may feel lonely, scary, disappointing, or even overwhelming. But especially in times like these, and no matter what life stage you're currently in, do you find yourself longing for something better, something real? When all else has been stripped away, what matters most? Maybe like me, you wonder about things like restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. In truth, I am on an imperfect journey of pursuing Jesus Christ and what it looks like to find those things in relationship with Him. It's a journey I committed two years ago when I dedicated my life to following Christ. And it's a journey I invite friends to explore with me, even if, and honestly, especially if, you don't know what path you're on. So for those who are skeptical, curious, or just need some encouragement, can I get an amen? <laughs> this podcast is for you. Please come along with me as we journey together towards finding something real. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. We are back with Lou as our co-host and... Mr. Chan Arnett, and we're going to continue our conversation today that left off a couple of days ago. Welcome back, Chan.
1: Hey, no problem. Happy to be back and finish the discussion.
0: Yeah, we're going to jump right in and let's see where we left off.
2: When when Janelle um, asked about you know good and evil like right now with the team situation going on, um, I just started thinking. Um, about how how it's hard for me to even know what day of the week it is. How can people keep track of what's true and what's not? Right, um, and I would
1: say by just testing it. I mean, were you talking about, like, media, the way they're talking about things going on with the virus? How do we know if things like that are true? Is that what you were
2: asking? On, on a whole, like, um, every level of our lives right now seem to be, Depending on someone's opinion, and we don't know if it's objective right. or not, and and yeah, it just maybe yeah, and I think
1: that's and I think that's a valid valid point. I think the way we can know is by is by investigation because these things we're offering, especially within Christianity, what's unique about it among all religions is it's historically testable and falsifiable. Yeah. So I mean, we can we can dig in and and look, and what I would try what I try to do in like. I think William Lane Craig's a great apologist, but I think if I'm looking at something in another field that he may not be an expert in, I want to go to the experts in that field who have a variety of different worldviews and backgrounds, and I try to test these things all the time, and I want the most rationally defensible view on this, any particular situation I can grasp, and I I think the starting point is whether God exists, because this has profound implications. For how we answer all these other questions, and I, I just think there's so much available we can we can test that. Say, and I think the moral argument is the quickest argument to get you from natural theology to Christian theism, because it establishes that are right or wrongs that and uh, goods and evils that are established only if God actually exists in the world, whether people believe in Him or not. And then the foundation of Christianity is that hey, we've done wrong and we do it all the time, and God demands perfect holiness, but he's also provided a pardon for the justice that is due upon us for our sin, right? Uh, He's already made a way for that. And Even Jesus, um, for instance, in Hebrews, it says, even though he was a son, I believe it's Hebrews chapter four, it says, even though he was a son, he learned obedience through the things he suffered. So as Christians, I mean, if Jesus wasn't exempt from suffering, and it taught him to be more obedient in his human nature, why would we expect to be exempt from it?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we should be thinking, how is, how is, now, granted, that's from a Christian point of view. But I think from, a say, a non-Christian or agnostic perspective, I, I think investigating these claims, because God makes so much sense of the world, especially in good and evil, and like I said, I haven't gotten into the moral argument yet. Um, may not get to, but if if we do, that can show that there is good and evil and it's objective. And there also are moral rights and wrongs and all this has to have God as an anchor point and foundation. And then the next step would be to test Christian theism Mm
0: -hmm.
1: because these Uh, are objectively testable.
0: I, I love what you shared about your dad. And it reminds me of a quote that I actually heard by John Lennox earlier, and he was (laughs) quoting C.S. Lewis. But yep. C.S. Lewis said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It yes. is its megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Absolutely. And, uh, definitely yeah. we're being roused. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. But here's, yep. to follow up on what Lou said, um, because I think it was a great point. Right now, there there is so much noise. Um, if you go online, if you read the news, you go on social media, there's all these things that... Vi- vying for our attention and um, so much uh, saying, you know, look at me, look at me. Uh, This is the truth over here. This is the truth over there. (laughs) And um, for someone who might be listening to this podcast or even someone who's recording with us right now, (laughs) who (laughs) who may want to search for the truth, who may go, okay, all right, Chan, maybe you're right. Maybe I I could search this for myself, but where would I even begin? And how do I know that what I'm searching is going to lead me to truth? Could you just in a practical sense help that person?
1: Yeah. Um, I think this is um, one of the disadvantages of not having experience in studying these areas, because if you go into any field, um, I mean, it's just, it's just difficult to navigate because everybody's saying, well, this is true, this is true. And it, it just can make your head spin. Um, but, uh, but for me, um, I found that whatever area I go into, I try to seek out the experts. And sometimes that takes time and energy. And on this topic, for anybody listening, where I am experienced and have navigated uh, this field for quite a while, I would say for the absolute beginner, I would start with On Guard by William Lane Craig. Some of it is a um, bit—it's an introduction, but some of it's a bit daunting. But he covers four arguments for God's existence, uh, one of which is the moral argument. He also covers um, the problem of evil and suffering. Like We just mentioned if God exists, why is there so much evil and suffering? Or How can we think that God exists? Um, in light of, say, COVID-19, he answers the problem of suffering. He also has a chapter that gives uh, the historical backdrop for the life and ministry of Jesus of Nazareth, which is important foundation for studying the resurrection of Jesus because it's not just that God raised somebody from the dead that makes them God. It's that he raised this man because he made these outrageous claims. Uh, he stood and spoke in the place of God. He ended up um, accepting worship on occasions. Uh, he was ultimately put to death because he identified himself with the divine messianic figure of the Old Testament, the Son of Man. Um, so he claimed to be equal with God, and they crucified him and killed him for it. And he actually, according to the Old Testament, he died on a tree, it's as cursed as anyone who was who hanged on a tree. So he died what seemed like a uh, cursed death on a cross. But when you study that historical context and then realize that God raised him from the dead, now... God has vindicated him and put his stamp of approval on these otherwise blasphemous claims, showing he is who he says he is and that we can trust him. So he also has a chapter on the resurrection. So um, I I would recommend starting there. Um, And some of the stuff, if you're not um, adept at some of the scientific arguments, I would recommend you could even skip those. Start with the introduction. Uh, Go to the uh, moral argument. And then go to the problem of evil and suffering, and, and then work through the rest of the book. You can always come back to the scientific arguments if they if they bog people down. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, always the New Testament, um, mm-hmm. as those are the primary sources for the life and ministry of Jesus of Nazareth. And don't look at them necessarily as an as an inspired holy book. You can look at them as just purely historical, as long as they're even historically reliable. Like even if you think you found a contradiction now. I think there's differences. I think the word contradiction is way too strong or way too hasty. But even if it's historically reliable, just like, say, the works of Josephus or something like that, um, you can still arrive at the conclusion, like Alan mentioned via historical analysis, that God raised Jesus from the dead. And that's a great introduction uh, with pretty short chapters, uh, I say written in an introductory level, to get started. And then just be thinking that through. And if you hear any other competing claims, test them because you know all, all this is a, finding truth is a testing process. And I think we need to search for it and ultimately find it, and then ultimately obey it.
0: Hmm. I love that, and I I love the promise that's given over and over in Scripture that when we seek the Lord, we'll find Him. When we seek Him with all our heart, um. Yep because that's a promise of the Lord, right? <laughs> <Absolutely>, <laughs> so we don't, yeah. when our hearts are <laughs> genuinely looking for truth, um, like Jesus said, you know, He's the way, the truth, and the life. So um, we can find Him. He's not hidden from us. Um, so I love those practical resources, and I really appreciate them. I am going to go ahead and ask you the big question about the moral argument for God's existence.
1: Okay, sure. Well, there's different forms of it. i uh, There's a couple of ways you can do it. There's what they call a deductive logical argument, which is short and quick and great for conversations. And there's a longer case that is similar to the case for the resurrection of Jesus, which is an inference to the best explanation. It's an inductive argument or an abductive argument. And the difference in those is a deductive argument sets up the rules of logic are similar to mathematical equations. And then you plug in premises, rather than numbers, for these variables, and then If the conjunction or the combination of these premises are true, if you can defend your premises or statements of fact as true, the conclusion follows necessarily from the premises. In other words, the only way to deny the conclusion of a deductive argument, if the logic is sound, um, is to show one of the premises to be false. So a lot of people like that for the surety of the conclusion. Um, but an inductive or abductive argument doesn't do that. And sometimes I think these can be more powerful than the other way. What you do is sort of like a forensic investigator. You gather all the clues or all the evidence, and then you start compiling explanations for this evidence. What is the best explanation of all this data? What does all this data point to? And what best explains it? So there's a couple of approaches. on. Now, William Lane Craig is famous for the deductive argument. And that's probably the one I'll do since it's shorter and quicker. And then uh, David Baggett and Jerry Walls, uh, and even David Baggett and his wife Mary Beth, they have a book called The Morals of the Story. I would recommend that to anybody interested in the moral argument. Uh, It's written at an introductory level, and they inject some humor in it along the way, and you learn quite a bit about the moral arguments for God's existence. Uh, And David does a masterful job. He's been a great friend to me, too. So I would highly recommend that. Now, if you're wanting to learn more and you want more more than that, David Baggett, Jerry Walls have also written three books: uh, Good God, uh, also God and Cosmos, and also now A Moral Argument, The Moral Argument, A History. So those are for people who are more um, maybe committed or have more of a foundation, philosophy, and a background in that. But William Lane Craig, his is laid out. He has a deductive argument he lays out in um, Reasonable Faith, and it goes. And he also uses it in all of his online debates. Um, for God's existence in general, here's here's the argument. The first premise is if God does not exist, then objective moral values and duties do not exist. So all that's saying is if God does not exist, moral claims are. Remember the ice cream claim I made earlier. Chocolate ice cream is the best ice cream, and we said it was just a matter of opinion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Moral claims would be that way. Is all. Without God's existence, if premise one is true. So if God does not exist, objective moral values and duties do not exist. So if God does not exist, moral values and duties are just literally a matter of opinion. There's no rightness and wrongness to them. There's nothing objective about them. But premise two says objective moral values and duties do exist. And the conclusion is, therefore, God exists. Well, this is logically airtight. So if someone rejects the conclusion, what they'll have to do is reject and show to be false one of the first two premises or statements. And um, I think a premise one, if God doesn't exist, then I think morality, there's nothing above and beyond us to impose it upon us, correct? Hmm. So it would just be a product of, say, evolution or something like that is some of the ways people have tried to get around this. So if God does not exist, then... Good and evil and right and wrong are terms we may use, but ultimately aren't applicable. This notion of things seeming right or seeming wrong are just that. It's an illusion. There really is nothing right or wrong about murder, rape, or torture. Now, premise two says, but they are. (laughs) And we all know it. There are objective moral values and duties. Well, if you believe those two statements, then we're committed logically to the conclusion that God exists. Because if these things are objective, like if we just decide what's moral, that means there's nothing wrong with the act itself intrinsically. So there's nothing intrinsically wrong with murder or rape or torture or killing kids or anything like that. What's wrong is, what makes it seem wrong is that we as a society have decided it is, so therefore we impose that upon the act rather than the act being evil imposes itself on us. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a lot to elaborate. I don't know what
0: you say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and if you have any questions, feel free to interrupt and stop me at well, any point. Well,
0: I, I guess I have,
1: like to take in.
0: I have a, a question. So I, I sure. think it it is interesting because hot topics like abortion or infanticide or, um, you know, Different things in different countries or cultures. Um, we say that they're, you know, as a culture, that's okay, but then <laughs> scripture says that it's not. And, uh, <laughs> right? So I'm just curious. A lot of times, I think deep down as human beings, I want to believe we do know that there's right and wrong, that there's good and evil. But sometimes people don't necessarily live like that or they move the line to go, Okay, well, it's okay as long as I can't see it. Exactly.
1: Right. As long as I'm not hurting anybody.
0: Right. Or no
1: one that it ultimately does hurt them and somebody else. Right. Or that
0: the woman is more important than, you know, the fetus or whatever it is that we do, which you know, I would argue that scripture would say, No, that's totally wrong. But for so how do you have That conversation with someone who says, well, just because you think it's wrong doesn't mean that it is wrong. Because I do know, um, I I had a great conversation with an atheist one time. She was just like, why does God get to decide? Why does he get to decide what's right and wrong? (laughs)
1: Yeah, (laughs) I'm like, well, there's a couple of things there. One is, I'm talking about the the moral argument is hitting at one question. And namely, are there? objective moral values and duties and if they are what what best explains them and that's different that's a different question than how do we know what they are Mm. so the moral argument answers the prior question are there objective moral values and duties and once we establish that via the moral argument and show that it's grounded in god's nature his existence then we can move on to say okay well then how can we know what they are
2: Mm.
1: and I think there's some issues going on there too. We can, we do know that because, um, people are wicked and sinful and we kind of want to do what we want. And that's why that maxim is, you know, as long as I'm not hurting anybody, you know, that's somebody mm-hmm. who wants their own way, right? They're, they they want their own desires independent. They're not looking for what's right or wrong. They're looking for what can they do according to their desires that they can get away with right. and not bother, not seemingly not bother anybody else. And, um, I think, like you say, those are two separate questions. And uh, I think once we establish that God exists and that's the anchor point uh, to establish that morality is objective, there are moral rights and wrongs um, in reality. There are objective moral facts that obtain independent of human opinion. Then the next one is how do we know? And then that's where I think since we know God has to exist to anchor him that's where I think you then just do your survey of um, – which, which strand of theism is true? And like I say, I would start, I, I say this not just because I'm a Christian, but even if you're using um, history um, and looking at it from, say, an agnostic or, or perspective or something like that, Christianity is testable. Um, and there's lots of lots of work on that. So I would just start there. And then we could say, okay, well, then we know these. this is the way, this is how we should act. Um, these these sets of moral values and duties are what are what should be guiding everything. Hmm. Does that does that sort of answer your question?
0: Yeah, I I think it's really interesting because I think you can come to the end of all of that and say, okay, you're right, and still say, I don't want to bow down to a god who says that this is wrong or this is wrong, or uh, you know what I mean. Like it, you can logically well, come to all exactly. of that. And I, I feel yeah. like a lot of people maybe don't come to the Lord because ultimately they, like my friend who I had that great conversation with, they don't want to bow down to his will, I guess.
1: Right. I and, that, and that's when it's not a matter yeah. of reason. So these things we're talking, the things we're talking about are if people are reasonable and looking for truth. Because remember, like Frank Turek said, most people are on a happiness quest not Mm -hmm. a truth quest. So the things we're talking about would only affect people who are actually on a truth quest.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, People who aren't. Um, The only things I try to do, obviously number one, we pray for them because we love them and care for them. Um, But we've also got to take some action. I think prayer plus action is powerful. And um, I think one of the things I can do is I just try to point out and demonstrate how inconsistent they have to live. Um, Because, you live and act as though there are objective moral values and duties. And they haven't overturned any of the rational argumentation I've offered. So, there. and again, this is all situational. I'm speaking in generalities here, but um, each situation is different and everybody's reasons are different. And that's why it's important to grow in this material for the moral argument and the truth of Christian theism in general, because it really, that way you have a variety of answers um, because people are going to give you a variety of reasons as to why they will not ultimately uh, affirm it or commit to it, right? And what's interesting is the moral law is awesome or unique in that it's different from, say, a law of gravity. So the law of gravity, everybody has to obey, right? You can't not obey it, but the moral law, and C.S. Lewis noted noted this too, it it can be bucked, so to speak. You don't have to listen to it. You can go against your conscience. You can do things that you know you ought not do. You don't have to listen to it. And the moral law is unique in that sense. And that's why I find the moral argument fascinating. I also find it powerful because if we get good at the moral argument, and we run across people who are genuine seekers and searchers of truth, some people may not be interested in science. That may as soon as you say the word science, they start falling asleep. I mean, <laughs> that's just not in. Yeah, I mean, they're just not interested. Right? That's just not their thing. So love these arguments like that. They might find interesting for, but they're not going to probably use them in a conversation, even though I would offer that you can, once you learn them, we should learn arguments even that we're not interested in because we may come across that person. And that may be the barrier we knock down because as apologetics doing apologetics. It's not always about um, evangelizing people. It should ultimately be about that. But you know what? Sometimes like second Corinthians 10, three through five, uh, a lot of times we're, we're there to knock down these and demolish these strongholds that people build that are barriers to the gospel. The gospel can't even get in because they've got these barriers mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. may be the person who's there just to knock down this barrier. The Lord may use us in that sense. And the next person will knock down another barrier. Or you may be the person that knocks down the barrier. The next person may give him the gospel. and he may become a Christian, or you may be the person who gives them the gospel because 10 other people have knocked down barriers to it prior to you. <laughs> right? So, But I think the moral argument is the most powerful of all of these just because every day we all make moral decisions. We can't escape it. We have to. So to know that God's existence is at the heart of that and that we're accountable for our moral actions, to me, is very powerful, especially that it's testable. Now, again, this only works on people who are reasonable and rational. Now, there's, there may be other ways to deal with people who um, they just don't want to submit to authority or something like that, but you're probably not going to use much argument and arguments and evidences on it because they're not going to be persuasive. They're not mm-hmm. looking for truth. Mm-hmm. If that so makes nice. sense.
2: Yeah. yeah, It makes a yeah. lot of sense. I just found it really interesting how you said that it's sometimes Sometimes it's about um, taking down like rules that people made around themselves. So you kind of need to just, sometimes just enough to give them that little bit of doubt, that little bit of you know, like um interest enough and like curiosity so that they can start asking questions and investigate. It's not it's not like changing somebody's mind sometimes. It can be You know, not all the way, like, not all the way, but it's not, it it doesn't make it any less of a, like, good conversation. I don't know if you, I don't know if I explain myself, honestly, (laughs) Um. but yeah.
1: Oh no, you're fine, I I think you're right. And there's different aspects, that's why a lot of people don't reject God for rational reasons. It's not a matter of truth. It's a matter of some other reason. And I think as Christians, we need to try to grow in those reasons because if you can't diagnose what the barrier is, how are you going to help them overcome this barrier? um, Yeah. Who is true? So now ultimately, at the end of the day, it has to be founded on truth or it's just like the ice cream claim. I'm I'm not going to try to convince somebody chocolate ice cream is the best ice cream if they like Rocky Road because there's no rightness or wrongness to it at the end of the day. But if there is, and the implications are huge. In every area of life, people want truth. But when it comes to morality and religion and ethics, it seems like they want it to be a matter of opinion. That's a whole other teaching, a whole other thing. <laughs> I mean, that would take up several episodes. I've got tons of teachings on that um, that we could talk about. But but anyway, I think, I think you're right. I think we've got to be in tune to that because if you're going to give somebody an intellectual answer when their question wasn't about its truth, you know what I mean? That, that's probably yeah. not the right way to handle it. But I think at the end of the day, we need to be in tune to all those things and make sure we turn it around and make sure we do make sure it's grounded in truth. Because truth at the end of the day is ultimately what matters.
0: Hmm. I remember when I was 15 years old, um, I went on a mission trip with my youth group to the Philippines. And we were at a college campus and we were doing a YWAM, um, like a biblical allegory, um, mime production thing. It was like an hour long. I mean, it was crazy. And all of these, um, you know, <laughs> college, uh, students, these young Filipinos, they're, they're all, you know, sitting outside this outdoor stage where we're doing this whole thing. And afterwards they given gave an invitation to the gospel and young people gave their lives to the Lord that night. And, um, I remember, my, um, my youth pastor and our pastor saying afterwards, you did not plant the harvest. God, for whatever reason, allowed us to reap it tonight. And, um, you just never know. I think (laughs) Lou's going to know what I'm talking about here, but (laughs) you know, when we, (laughs) when we said yes to hosting exchange students, uh, it was during a time in my life where I'm like, okay, Lord, just use us, use us, Uh, use our home. We want to um, share who you are with people from different cultures. And at the time it was one person, you know, my daughter Lika and um, you know, I just pray that she gets saved. You know, we had people come over and pray over her room and all this stuff. And if she's listening, if she listened this far into the podcast, (laughs) now she knows the truth. (laughs) Uh, But um, you know, like, I mean Lou, I think we did it for your room too, but you know, like just like praying, you know the Holy Spirit, be here, use us, we want to be used. And people said, well, maybe you won't actually get to see the harvest of that And I'm thinking, I'm I get to if we if we're obedient, we're going to see the harvest. <laughs> and you know what? like it's such an arrogant, selfish thing sometimes um, because we do, we want to see the fruit of it, you know, I want to yep. see it. And um, like Alan said in his podcast a couple weeks ago. It's just a pebble in the shoe or what you just said. You know, it's a wall that maybe came down. You don't even know. And Mm -hmm. my youth pastor who took us on that trip, um, he uh, is no longer here. In fact, a year ago, um, right around this time, he passed away suddenly. And, um, you know, his favorite verse was Galatians 6, 9. um, Do not grow weary in doing good for the proper time. We will reap a harvest when we do not give up. And on this side of heaven, I don't think he ever saw the harvest. He never knew all the lives that he impacted, but I'm one of the lives that was impacted. Um, And one of the reasons why I continue to do this podcast um, out of love for my daughters, including Lou, but also, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. you know, because of what was planted in me all those years ago, Um, by somebody who was faithful and just continued to speak the truth in love, not for a result, but just to plant the seeds and say, this is what God has done for me, and this is the truth of the gospel, and look at how it's changed my life, and you can have it too. Um, Absolutely. The Fighting Something Real podcast, I always ask this question at the end, is about a journey towards restoration or redemption, R, Uh, E, eternity. A, authenticity, and L, love. So it's about restoration or redemption, eternity, authenticity, and love. Of those four gifts that we can find in Jesus Christ, which of those stand out to you the most right now in your life and why?
1: Well, you would think, uh, since we talked about love and freedom, that it's the ultimate ethic and stuff, you'd think I would say love, but actually, I think I would go with authenticity. And Here's why. Um Because it seems to me, at least as I understand the word authenticity, it's when something is confirmed to be true, it's said to be authentic, right? Mm -hmm. So truth is the foundation of restoration, eternity, and even love. So remember in 1 Corinthians 13 when Paul describes what love is, and he says patient and kind and all that. um, Something that's kind of lost on our culture today is part of that definition is that true love, quote, takes no pleasure in wrongdoing but rejoices in the truth. And like we mentioned earlier, Jesus even said that not restoration, eternity, authenticity, or love. He says, but the truth will set you free.
2: Hmm.
1: So for me, I would say authenticity comes in at number one because it's the foundation of the others. Even though all are critical and important, I think they're all built on the foundation of truth, which to me is inherent in the definition of authenticity.
0: That's awesome. Well, thank you, Chan, for being here and for uh, sharing your knowledge and your wisdom and your passion thank for the you. Lord with us.
1: Yeah, thank you all. I've, I've had a blast. It was really a lot of fun. I've been excited all week and it didn't disappoint. I just, <laughs> I, I just, hope, it, I just hope I was helpful and didn't ramble on too much, but I, I enjoyed it.
0: You were very helpful. And yeah. until next time, thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. If you love this series or even if you're simply finding it moderately entertaining while living the limbo quarantine life. Hey, that works too. Hit subscribe and come back next week when I'll probably be talking with another guest about finding something real in times of detours and disappointments. And if you're on Instagram, please come find me. I share Instagram Live weekly podcast recaps at Janelle underscore M underscore Wood most every Friday at 11.45 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So please join me for questions and fun live awkwardness. (laughs) You can also find some study guides I've created that I hope add joy and encouragement and challenge to you during this time. You can find those on my website at janellewood.com. Just look for Clarity 2020 at the top of the page. And now, just so you know, if you only remember one thing about this podcast, I hope that it's this. No matter who you are, Jesus Christ loves you and you have a purpose. May you truly believe it, friend. Until next time.